You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. Welcome back to another episode of Green Industry Perspectives presented by Single Ops. I am Jay Worth. We have an awesome episode lined up for you today. I have with me Scott Lisak from Castle Rocks Landscape Company. Scott, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Jay. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be good. Scott, one of the things we like to do on the show is just to provide some immediate value for our listeners. We like to ask the same question every time. If you could, can you give us, you know, kind of the two or three most common threads or, you know, most common uh, habits that you see among landscape companies that you think are really successful? I think the top three that I observe in any of the highly successful companies are focusing on personal growth, number one, from Mm -hmm. CEO level all the way through the teams and just really having a focus on becoming better people every day, better versions of ourselves every day. Leadership and inspiring the team growth is another one. We have to lead our people. We manage systems. We lead our people. And the way to lead in people is to empower them and inspire them to make decisions, to grow themselves, to be able to get their creative juices flowing in the field and not worry about being micromanaged. And my third one is humility and vulnerability. Having people that are humble enough and vulnerable enough to admit their faults, to admit their wrongs, to admit where their weaknesses are, to begin working on them and become strengths. And the honesty to get there is huge. It's crucial. We all need that. Yeah, I love those. I think those are really great value right on the front end of the show here. And and I'm looking forward to diving into each of those a little bit further and discussing them a little bit more. If you would, just give folks a little bit about your background, how you got into the industry. You own a, a landscape company, the, the, the size of it, areas of expertise, any you know recognition, milestones, professional certifications, anything you want to talk about here that you think might give the audience a sense of who you are and, and uh, why you're qualified to talk about what you're talking about today. Absolutely. I've been in the green industry for 20 years now. Started as a teenager. My drive came from doing a huge homeowner project. Uh, I don't take that lightly. I would probably be a three hundred to $350,000 project if our company would build it today. <laughs> Truckloads of boulders and you know, about 4,000 square feet of pavers, walkways, steps, thousands Holy of plants. That my dad did that in our front yard as a kid. He wasn't a landscaper. He didn't have a landscape company. He knew a lot about landscaping and it was just kind of a hobby for him. And he and I built it together and he did far more work than I did on it at that point in time. But <laughs> I loved the process. I loved watching what he did. I loved helping him. And I loved taking rotten railroad ties and turning the entire front yard into an absolute mess and then rebuilding it into an absolute masterpiece. And just the entire project took uh, several months. It was like an all summer project for us. And uh, it was one of the coolest experiences I ever had. And I realized, hey, we could make some money there. So Castle Rock started as a rockscape company. and. We began, I was under 16 at the time. I was 15 when I started doing it. And I would drive around in a Kubota L3010 front end loader with rocks in the bucket and outline flower beds. That was essentially how we started. And then uh, went into doing a little bit more boulder work and rock walls. Uh, As I got older, my dad helped me a lot. 
And um, by the time I was 17, we had the conversation of, hey, th- this could really go somewhere. We're making some money. Why, why don't we do this? And my dad was an entrepreneur in a different space. And he said, yeah, let's do it. We'll, uh, we'll do this as a DBA under my other business for now. And if it goes somewhere, then we'll establish uh, another business and see where it goes. So Castle Rocks Rockscapes was the DBA under my dad's other company, Hazard Management Associates, completely different field, uh, terrorism response, hazard management response and emergency response. So just complete different field. And um, after a year of doing that, we realized we were making money and we should probably establish an actual company around it to do it legit. So we started Castle Rocks Landscape Company as a sole proprietorship in my dad's name at the time. And uh, that was when I was 17, we did that, 2004. And we operated under that sole proprietorship uh, the entire time I went to college. So at that point in time, I made the decision that Castle Rocks was in my future. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to commit my career to the green industry. Uh, That has drastically changed in image from that time to now, but we'll get into that later. And um, at that point in time, junior in high school, I decided I was either going to Penn State for landscape contracting or I wasn't going to school. Either way, Castle Rocks was the future. It was either going to be immediate or after getting the degree. In hindsight, I'm really grateful that I got into Penn State because I I don't think I'd be even close to where I am in my career without the degree. But 2005 to 2010, I went to Penn State, focused on landscape contracting, and there are two different options. I focused on the design-build option. So I am a degreed landscape designer, and uh, we get a lot of horticultural knowledge with that, a whole lot of soils knowledge, compaction knowledge, grading knowledge, Mm -hmm. as well as landscape architecture knowledge. We essentially have a degree that we could go and do our apprenticeship under a landscape architect and get our licensed architect really easily because of the education. And um, that, that was just really eye-opening, changed my perspective on what the industry was, changed my perspective on what was capable, what was out there for us. And uh, I decided I wanted to have a really high-end design-build company and really grow that. And that was where my passion was. Fast forward to graduation, graduated the fall semester of 2010 with a minor in arboriculture as well as that major. So I was uh, really into trees, really into doing uh, arboriculture work. And uh, we established Castle Rocks Landscape Company, the LLC that we operate under today in February of 2011. And that was when we really took off. That was when we really started focusing, graduated college. I was in my mid-20s and focused on it as a career for that. We got to a point 2012 to 2018. We'll use that six-year period. 2011 was kind of our build-up year and figuring out how to do this a little differently than a mom and pop shop. So that that year was a really valuable learning year. But 2012 to 2018, we were a pretty stagnant company. We had high ambitions. We had really high goals. We knew where we wanted to go. And we were constantly performing in the $250,000 to $350,000 a year, not really growing, bouncing back and forth. 2012 to 2015, we did a ton of tree work. Uh, I was a climber, a certified arborist at the time, and uh, not anymore. But um, we were doing a lot of pruning, a lot of large-scale complicated removals, as well as hardscapes, uh, boulder work, all that stuff. And um, I started feeling it probably 2015 was when I started physically feeling what we were doing. I had been doing it since I was 15 at that point in time. And mm-hmm. I my back started hurting, my everything started hurting. And I was personally going through some challenges at that point in time as well. 
you know, I, I struggled with uh, drinking way too much and being an alcoholic. So we'll, we'll get to some of that in this story here. But in that time frame, was when that was happening. And I recognized a, a pivotal change had to happen. I needed to learn about the business instead of being a landscaper. It was not sustainable for the rest of my life to be out there laying pavers, to be out there mm. climbing trees, to be out there moving everything around and uh, you know, also selling, also managing the business. It was just too much. So I had been introduced to the E-Myth by Michael Gerber a few years before that, listened to the book, learned about systems, processes, and building out the business, the, the Michael Gerber, the E-Myth way. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. But I wasn't, I didn't fully understand what systems and processes were at that point in time. It's like, yeah, man, I got to systemize this business. I got to make some processes. Okay, what does that mean? And that was the time frame that I was like, okay, I got to define this. I got to figure this out. I got to un- understand what that means. Fast forward to 2018. That was my benchmark year. That was kind of my rock bottom year that I ever had. I was drinking way too much. 2014 to 2018, I had on and off. Uh, times of not drinking for months. Longest period of time I had in there was a year and a half that I wasn't drinking and I'd go back to drinking. And 2018, I had some PTSD that stemmed from uh, some previous experiences in the fire service. And uh, I had a bunch of other things going on compounding and started drinking again and just really, really had a hard time. So I made a decision in the end of May of 2018 that I didn't want to drink anymore. I had hit my rock bottom. I was ready to lose Castle Rocks. I was ready to lose my family or I wasn't ready. I'm sorry. It was about to happen and I was not ready Mm -hmm. to lose that stuff. And uh, I made the decision. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was sick and tired of not being able to manage my life and not be able to live to the full potential of what I knew was out there for me. And uh, I decided I wanted to go to rehab. That was the only thing that I did not do yet for the drinking. So June 1st of 2018, I entered a rehab facility and uh, stayed there for a couple of weeks, really worked on myself. And I was off to the races. I knew I never wanted to drink again. I didn't know how to do it, but I knew that that was what I wanted to do. And um, that was really where my personal growth journey took off. And that was really where my career took off. So 2018 just changed my life. We had guys on our team, Kevin Heilman, who's our VP of operation. He's awesome guy, went to college together. And uh, he had been with me through the ups and downs. He had been with the company since 2011. So he's my right-hand man, was my right-hand man. And he said to me, this is it, man. Like, get it together. I'm out of here. I'm not putting up with this anymore. You got one more shot from me. My wife pretty much gave me the same thing. And I told everybody, I said, this is it. Trust me, this is it. And nobody believed me at that point because of my previous track record, but it, it was time for me to prove everybody that I was telling the truth this time. And um, over the past four years, uh, just my, my life has tra- changed so much. My company has changed so much. My companies have changed a ton and uh, went from the point of being a landscaper to a true serial entrepreneur with multiple ventures, learned the ins and outs of businesses, scaled out the landscape company to the point that I have nothing to do with any operations, including sales anymore. And just really was able to learn that with a clear head, clear mind of no uh, mood or mind altering substances. And it's been incredible, an incredible journey. We went from 267,000 in revenue in 2018 to probably looking at about 1.5 million this year. We had goals of over 2 million and um, we, we've had a couple of hiccups here that have downgraded where we were going to wind up for this year. So we're, we're looking at coming in around 1.5 million for this year. 
The other big thing that's changing right now is we are getting away from design build. Never thought that was going to happen. We are still doing very high end design build and uh, that probably will never go away at the current location that we have. But the scalability, the future of the company is commercial snow and ice management and commercial maintenance, laser focused on the industrial space, uh, distribution centers, warehouses, as well as office buildings. Um, We are focusing going that direction specifically. We have a second location planned now for 2025. Uh, in the workings of coming up with sales plans to get started with that. We have the geographic area already picked out. We know where we're going. We have some plans in place to get there. And uh, it's just exciting. It's really cool seeing where it's going and the team that we've been able to build around it. So that's the short version, believe it or not. But (laughs) (laughs) No, that's incredible. And I love that so much about what you said there. First of all, thanks for sharing that because I know there are people listening to this right now that are going through the same kind of thing. Like they're in a place where maybe they don't see the end of it. And they're maybe they're listening to this because they're trying to start that process of bettering themselves and just hearing from someone that's coming out on the other side of that, I think is probably really, really helpful. So thanks for being, you know, you talked about vulnerability. Thanks for being vulnerable there. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, People need to hear my message. I'm an open book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things you said that I think just was really, really impactful and I I don't, you kind of slipped it in and I don't know if many people caught it. So I want to repeat it. I actually wrote it down. He said, I had to learn about the business, not just about being a landscaper. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. There's, <laughs> oh yeah. There's so so much when are we scheduling there. another podcast? We're going to yeah. need about five hours on this one. <laughs> I seriously, there's so many, look, I don't know a single person that got into the industry because they loved to run a business, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't know anybody that did that. I, I know that's not true. I know one guy who started a, a green company because he was a really good marketer and he was like, I bet I can build this with just good marketing. And he did. Yeah. But you know, no one got into this because they really love the idea of running business. That guy loved the idea of generating the phone, you know, making the phone ring more than anything. So many of us get into this because we like plants, because we like working with the soil, because, you know, there's other things that draw us. And so having farmers, (laughs) absolutely. And then having to make that pivot into, oh, well, suddenly now I need more people to help get the work done, but now I'm responsible for them. I think that really probably resonates with a lot of folks. So thank you for sharing that too. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that that's huge. That's crucial. Our industry is based out of passion. Everybody I've ever met in mm-hmm. our industry that is serious about our industry is passionate about what we do. It's not about the money. It's not about the business. It's about taking care of landscapes and doing it with people you enjoy being around. Every single yep. person shares that in common. And that's the magic of our industry. I'm a degreed landscaper. I ha- I have a four-year degree in landscaping, like I like I covered there. However, I don't use any of that degree anymore. What I learned Mm -hmm. in school was the ability to learn, though. And what I got out of that degree was paramount to begin building the processes and figuring out exactly what to do to give the highest level of service that we can give and then begin to make that better and better all the time. But what I learned in college and what I use now was the ability to learn and learning how to find the resources. And it's all out there. Everything is out there. And I would argue that I probably have an MBA level of education just from the reading and everything that I have done to learn about leadership, business, mm-hmm. everything. I don't have the piece of paper behind it, though, and I don't really care to because my knowledge that I have is getting me places. And it's really, right. I don't mean to sound egotistical with that, but it's possible to learn everything on your own without having to go back and get that extra degree. Yep. Yep. I agree. I couldn't agree anymore. And I, that's something that I'm pretty passionate about, too. I've read 
dozens of books on on leadership. So I'm I'm right there with you. One of the things that you mentioned, your, your very first thing you let off with in terms of your value statements, the companies that are really crushing it are doing this well. You mentioned personal growth. So kind of like a two-part question here. What does that look like in your mind when you talk about personal growth? What are you, what are you talking about? And then if you could tie how in how, you know, why is that critical? The owner, CEO, president, whatever, why is their personal growth critical to the success of the business? That is an incredible question. Thank you for asking it. Personal growth is all about just making yourself better. It's not about changing the person you are. It's not about becoming a different person. It is accenting and making the person you are better all the Mm -hmm. time. And my hierarchy, the way I focus on it is I'm first. God is above me. You know, we can talk about spirituality at some other time. I'm not trying to roll that into this conversation, but God is first. I am second. My family is third. Everybody else in my life comes after that. And Mm -hmm. following that order sounds a little bit selfish because I'm above my family. But the reason for that is spirituality is a huge part of what I do. Spirituality is a huge part, knowing there's a power greater than myself, knowing that there is somebody else out there and knowing that there's a plan that can pick up the pieces and then having spiritual experiences that I'm aware of and seeing them happen really proves it time and time again. But then I focus on me and to focus on me and grow myself and become a better person and be the person that I want to be for everybody around me is the most selfless thing I can do. Yes, I'm focusing on myself before my family. Yes, I'm focusing on myself before my team. But if I don't do that, I can't become the better person for them. By focusing Mm -hmm. on me, I become a better person to give back to everybody else around me. And that's crucial. That is absolutely crucial. So to to define personal growth, it's simply learning more about how your mind works, learning more about your Mm -hmm. physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, and how your brain ticks and why you make decisions that you are. that you're making. I want to really highlight the physical, mental, and emotional. Those three pillars, those are like the trifecta. Each one is different, but they all go together. We need to be physically fit. And I'm not saying you have to be a rock star athlete, but you need to do some physical work. You need to go to the gym, go for a walk, walk down to your mailbox to get the mail. You know, Wherever you're at in your journey doesn't really matter. But having that physical Mm -hmm. fitness three to four times a week really elevates your mental clarity. And that mental clarity allows us to be able to think about and focus on our emotional responses, our emotional reactions, and understand why we feel the way we do and why we respond to people the way we do. And that's personal growth, getting the self-awareness to realize, oh man, I just snapped at my kids. What what the heck was that about? What what yep. just happened? Why did I do that? Or I snapped at this coworker or I'm really stressed out about this guy saying he's not coming in tomorrow. Like this is not a big deal. Why am I stressed about that? And having the tools and the resources to be able to answer those questions. And when you don't have the answers, figure them out and work on yourself. And every time we learn that, every time we get there, we grow. And we understand more about ourselves. We understand more about how we work. That tandems directly into leadership then, because as we learn more about ourselves, we learn more about the way other people think. And neurology is very similar across all humans. We're all individual. We all think a little differently. We all have different programming, but the way our brains work is all identical. So when we start to understand the way the neurology works and the way our brains work, we can relate it to other people and say, oh, okay, I understand why this person is making this decision. I understand why this person reacts that way. Empathy, it's huge. And 
that all stems from personal growth and understanding the way your own brain works. One of the things I hear you saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. So if I'm, if I'm correct, if, nah, if, I'm, if I'm wrong here, <laughs> blast me for it, please. You talk about focusing on yourself. What I hear you saying there is, look, if you're not taking care of these things, you're not bringing your best self. 100%. And there are people that depend on you being at your peak, right? Yes. And so it sounds selfish. You're right. You know, it sounds selfish on the surface. Like, hey, I'm going to focus on myself. But if you're not physically healthy, mentally stable, emotionally aware of, of those things, then, you know, you're not giving your best to those around you. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You're, you're not putting words in my mouth. You're taking them out of my mouth. I, I, I could have said that <laughs> myself. That was perfect. And uh, cool. a big part of that, a, a big part of giving your best self is leading by example. You know, lead, lead by example on the surface level on people that don't understand leadership and, you know, people that need to grow into leadership a little bit more is doing somebody else's job for them. Oh, you let me show you how to do that. Let me do this for you. Oh, let me, let me teach you how to do that. Teaching is part of leading by example, but for the current example, I'm going to put that in this side, but leading by example is showing up and being that person. Leading by example is being that person who is working on themselves and having a team behind you that, you know, I have, uh, I currently have three people that were with me through my rock bottom and have watched me grow into what I am today. And that motivates them to grow. That motivates them. To, wow. Look at, look at what has happened. Look what has changed because of the actions I take, because of the lifestyle that I live, because of the attitudes and the wellness that I put into my life. It spreads through the company mm -hmm. and that is huge as a leader. And that doesn't have to be a CEO level either. You can be on the job for two weeks. You can be in a company new for two weeks. If you have those leadership traits, I'm a firm believer of organizations are led from within, not the top. And mm -hmm. the top can influence, but the actual leadership comes from within the, in the organization. I agree. I agree to a large degree. One of the things I wanted to ask about, and and we'll touch on because it, it, the conversation is starting to go there, but one of the things I wanted to ask is you're thinking about personal growth, and we'll talk about how that filters through the organization, but how should a leader who is really self-aware and really prioritizes personal growth, how should that impact their hiring process? Like, What should they be looking for in a candidate, in a potential candidate? as they're, you know, they've got this mindset of personal growth. What, what do you think is some of the important things to prioritize there? That can all be defined by core values of the company, you know, figure out what the core values of the company are that will mesh with what the leaders core values to themselves are, but they shouldn't be the same either. Our core values are some of my core values, but some of our leadership team's core values. We need to get mm. other people's opinions in while we're building those core values. And that puts the influence of not just one person, but the entire team into who we're hiring. And the benefit of that is we begin to not only find people through the hiring process that fit, but we attract them. People that want to mm. see and want to do what we're doing will see that and be attracted to come to us. And we're starting to feel that magnetic pull right now. We've really been working on this company culture outwardly and advertising that we're working on it for about a year and a half now. And people are coming to us like, hey, what, what do we have to do to work there? What, what do we have to do? We have a waiting list right now. Everybody's talking about shortages of employees. We have a waiting list of people that want to work for us wow. because we're beginning to attract them. And uh, you know, the core values is where that stems from. Working on yourself 
is where that comes from. But that also goes back to the empathy side of things. And empathy can be on a compassionate side of empathy or on a understanding somebody that might not fit side of an empathy, because you start to understand how other people are thinking, what other people are thinking about, what they're doing. And that helps in the hiring process too. And when you can start picking those things out, it's like, oh, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. Oh, those are really good green flags though. Do they outweigh each other? Let's talk about this a little bit more. And you can pick and choose, customize the conversation instead of just sitting there reading off a list of, oh, what's your previous experience? What do you do here? And you know, mm-hmm. you can have an organic conversation that you get all those answers without even asking them. And it changes the dynamic of the interview. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I was thinking through as you're, you're talking about personal growth and, and how that was important, obviously, like if you don't have core values of your company, you need to go establish those. <laughs> like you need yeah, to figure out absolutely. what you're about <laughs> because that gives direction for your existing team and keeps them aligned. But it also, to your point, can, can be an attractant. It can be one of those things that, you know, like this is what we stand for and people want to get behind that. So obviously they need to line up with your core values. But to me, the one word that kept coming back as I was listening to you talk and as I was looking at some of your you know, what your answers to some of these questions is, should you be looking for curiosity? Absolutely. Like like someone, (laughs) yeah, obviously they need to line up with your core values, right? Like if, if one of your core values is integrity, right. Of which everyone says, yes, you want an honest person, but you want an honest person who's, who's curious to learn new things. Yeah. Does that play in at all when you're thinking about hiring? Absolutely. Curiosity is huge. And I've actually never defined it as curiosity, but the willingness to learn, asking why. I want to. Yep. I want people to ask why. Why do you do it this way here? You know, I'm curious about that. Why do you do? Well, there you go. I just said it. <laughs> why? Why do you do it this way? That's a great question. And if you are irritated by somebody asking you why, all that means is you don't know why. You don't know the answer yourself. If that mm. truly irritates you, then you need to define that why and figure it out. I want people to ask, and we empower our people to ask those questions. And some of the best things happen. They come up with better ideas than what we had before, and we implement them, mm-hmm. and we put them in place. I'm one person. You know, I own the assets of the company. I own the name. I am the owner, but I'm not the best person at anything in our company. You know, our sales team mm-hmm. is way better at sales than I am. The operations team is way better at operations than I am. The finance team knows way more about numbers than I do. So, All I can do is sit there and put the pieces together and empower them to use their knowledge, empower them to use their expertise to the best of their abilities, because we need to be putting people together that know a lot more about us than we do, rather than trying to be the person who knows everything. And that Mm -hmm. difference, it will create the difference between success and complacency. No, I agree entirely. So pivoting into your your second point there, and this is one of the things that that we had started to hit on and, and just wanted to circle back to. You talked about the leadership inspiring team growth. Can you, what does that look like? Is it a pep talk at the beginning of each day? Is it structuring the business in a way that incentivizes your team to invest in their own personal growth? What do you think that should look like? And what does it look like at Castle Rocks? So I think everybody needs to define what that should look like for themselves and see what's going to work best for them. And uh, one of the biggest things with leadership is don't be fake. Don't try and give anything away that you haven't done, that you haven't experienced, that you don't know. People are going to read your BS right, just like a book. They're going to read right through that. So I'll tell you what we do at Castle Rocks, and it all stems from my personal growth, my personal journey, and what I have done. Uh, we have daily text messages that go out to the guys that have motivational quotes and, you know, not even just motivational quotes like, yeah, do great today, kill it. No, like motivational quotes, like here's how your brain's working. Think about it this way. 
we do a 10 minute rollout conversation every day, focusing on some of the tasks that are happening through the day and relating that to how we're thinking about it. If we're having stressful times, we talk about that stress and how everybody's going through that because that's real. We're in a high stress industry and we need to talk about those things. We prepare people to be able to think about things like snowstorms in a different way instead of, oh, I got to get up at two in the morning. Like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to rock and roll at two in the morning. And we're talking about that stuff year round. And Today, we had a guest motivational speaker, a guy named D-Man. He's uh, all over Instagram and stuff, and he's a good friend of mine. So he was in the area, and he came in and gave a pep talk to our guys and bringing other people in that aren't just within the company, as well as having our leadership within the company share those things. And with that, we have that vulnerability and that humility to say, hey, here's some of the things I've done. Hey, here are some of the big mistakes I've made. And sharing that stuff, the vulnerability about our mistakes, you know, our mistakes lead us to the success. So sharing that aids in the leadership, sharing that aids in growing the teams and making them feel like, okay, we can be vulnerable. Mistakes are okay. That is something that happens. I love it. I love what you said there. And I actually love the idea too of bringing in like a guest motivator that you know like aligns with your your company's values and, and is uh, moving in the same direction you are. Because I think sometimes when you're leading people, it's almost like a parent-child relationship. And I'm not I'm not saying that you, the people you lead are infantile or anything like that. What I'm saying is, growing up, you know, my parents could tell me something 15, 20 times. <laughs> Right. And, and yep. I, it, it like never stuck. And then someone who was just like three years older than me that I just looked up to, that was like a, you know, not quite a peer, they were an adult, but like, you know, they could say the same thing. And then it was like, so profound. It was like, Oh man, I never thought about it that way. My parents were pulling their hair out going, I told you that 20 times. I think it's the same way when you're the leader in an organization, right? Like you can say something until you're blue in the face and then someone else comes in, says the exact same thing, maybe, or maybe even just in a different way, gives it a fresh perspective. And all of a sudden, it just resonates with people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you brought the parenting and leadership into, mm-hmm. into to play here. It, it's so true. Parenting, I mean, I have three kids and my interactions with all three kids are a little different because they're different people. And, uh, you know, I've done this backwards. I got really good at the leadership side in the company and building out, you know, what we're doing in our company and leading our people. And I uh, neglected is the wrong word, but I didn't grow as fast on the parenting side. And I'd give so much to the, the work side of things and so much to what I was doing at work. I'd come home and get cranky with the kids and you know, to have almost nothing left to give. And just recently in my personal growth within the past couple of months, I'm like, oh man, parenting is leadership. Like I need to bring these principles in and you know, it's different on the level of love that you give and you know, the kind, I shouldn't even say level, the kind of love that you're giving to it, but they're exactly parallel. And making that change personally has changed the way I parent. I've been a lot less stressed with my kids. I've been a lot less irritable with my kids. And, you know, it's just really cool. But that, again, goes back to harmony, creating the harmony in life. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't like the term work-life balance. I We could go on for hours about why, but creating life harmony, creating that harmony between what we're doing at work and what we're doing at home. It's all one life. we got to be the same person. We have to have areas. We have to have outlets. We have to have all these different areas, both for home and work. We mm-hmm. get irritated at that coworker. Well, guess what? We also get irritated at our spouses. We also get irritated at our kids. We need to have the same types of outlets that we have for all of the areas. And the more we can tie that together as one life instead of two separate lives, the better it is. 
Yeah, I know. And it, and it allows you to, to be a little bit more gracious with your, with your children. Right. Cause you're like, okay, this is a training issue. Like I yep. need to, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know their brain functions differently. I'm going to work through the training until it gets to the point where I know I'm going to get the expected behavior okay. because I've invested in that. And so it's, yeah, I agree entirely. I hadn't, I hadn't totally made that connection either the way until that way, until you just said it. So I love that you brought that in. Awesome. Awesome. That's good. <laughs> So just real quick, do you think there's any value in in structuring your business in a way that incentivizes that personal growth throughout the organization? And if you were going to do that, what do you think that would look like? Oh, absolutely. It, that is the value in your business. Uh, you know, caring about your people first. People have to be first, you know, whether that's you or clients, you know, like the, the people are first. That's what drives our businesses. Our motto is our people are first, our clients are second, our profits are third. We share that with our clients. And the logic behind that is we take care of our people because our people will take care of our clients. And when our people take care of our clients, that takes care of our profit margins in that order every single time. And when we look at it that way, the people first culture is all about personal development, all about personal growth, all about helping people move up. We provide roadmaps to people of where you can go in the company. And, you know, hey, mm. yeah, you just started, you know, you're 20 years old running a mower right now, but. What does the rest of your life look like to you? What are your goals in the short term? And any 20-year-old has absolutely no idea, but you start having those <laughs> conversations and you start stimulating that thought process. And then we pave a roadmap and say, well, you know, the next step is a crew leader and you get a pay increase for that. And the next step is a production manager, an account manager, operations manager, and you can work your way up through these ranks. And those are salary positions that you can really support a family. And, you know, in 10 years, you're going to be at the point, maybe you're thinking about a family that are we can do. And not that our uh, hourly rates can't support a family, but getting into that salary position is a little bit more suitable. And another thing we do to care for our people, we start at $18 an hour, which in our market is a lot higher than most of our competition. Mm -hmm. We also provide our frontline workers full paid health benefits. We pay them 100% after a 60-day probation period to make sure that they're sticking in with us. Mm -hmm. We pay 100% of their health benefits. And that's wow. a thank you. That's what it takes to show people the respect. You know, our frontline people are the ones who make it happen. The office people build the relationships, make the sales. If our frontline people are not doing the best they can do every day and making it better the next day, we start losing that. And somebody's going to come in and be better than us and start taking our accounts. So we have to focus on them. We have to build them, grow them. And through giving them the respect of, hey, you are important. You are more than just a laborer. I don't like that term in our industry. It's, I agree. You know, head, head gardeners or you know, whatever you want to call them. And it, they're people. Our laborers, quote unquote, are people that are striving to be better and learning. And guess what? If we're owners, we were all laborers at one point in time. Whether we want to admit it mm -hmm. or not, we were out right. there in the trenches doing the stuff. And we need to understand and have empathy and compassion and realize where those guys are, plus what's capable you know, we were that person. We were that person in the ditch. And then we build these companies and it's like, oh yeah, you know, just, just a laborer. That's, that's not okay. That is not okay at all. It's those guys are the front line. Those guys are the ones that matter. Yeah. I, I don't think I could agree with you anymore. And that actually like dovetails nicely into your, as we're getting on the back half of the show here, you talked about humility and vulnerability, you know, just being uh, aware of, Hey, that was me. However long ago it was, that was me in the, in the trench there. I have some ideas about what this, I think this should look like. And I've experienced this, you know, owners and managers that did this well. I've experienced owners and managers that didn't do this well. 
but I'd love to hear your take on this. What can you expand a little bit on what you mean when you talk about humility and vulnerability being really key to a successful organization? Absolutely. It starts with you. You know, humility and vulnerability absolutely starts with you. You have to learn how to be humble to yourself. You have to learn to be vulnerable to yourself. Get rid of the ego. We all have egos and they creep in all the time. There's no way to fully get rid of it. But recognize your ego and understand when you start saying something that, oh, man, maybe this is an ego thing. Oh, I'm tooting my own horn. Oh, I'm the best at it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. No, no, no. Hang on. What is that coming in? That's ego. Okay. So being able to recognize that is the first step of vulnerability with yourself. And if you're not able to be vulnerable to yourself, you can never develop the humility to be vulnerable with other people. And humility is asking the question, oh, why Why did you do it that way? That's really interesting. If somebody makes a mistake on a job site, let's use that as an example here. Somebody makes a mistake on a job site. Why did that happen? Well, I saw this. Uh, we had a one of our build crews uh, this spring, I'll use as an example, planted a line of liriope that was very notably paralleling a walkway they just built in the plan on an angle and we had to go back and replant all the liriope and we were like what the heck happened man like well, how how did you do this and it came back to a training issue that it was a newer crew leader on the build side he had been from the maintenance and we never taught him how to read the plan the right way mm. so the humility set in to be like okay we asked the question why instead of reprimanding this guy like you idiot you didn't do a straight line of plants along this straight line and what what's wrong with you which is the approach some people take we asked the question of why and understood that it was our error it was our fault for not mm -hmm. teaching him and owning that is that's the vulnerable piece and having the humility to own it then and we went back to the client and said hey this was a new crew leader. We're really sorry. We're going to fix this for you. But here's exactly why this happened. He, we didn't adequately train him to read the plan and he didn't understand it. So that's on us. We're really sorry that we have to be back here for it. The client was blown away. They're like, what? Like, what? <laughs> you know, that was literally the You're response. You're owning the responsibility for this? That's crazy. Exactly. Exactly. But that's that's the best example I can give in the short term. I mean, that's another conversation we could go on for a long time. But once you do that, and then you get vulnerable with your people and, hey, I've been through this. You know, my biggest humiliating thing that I thought I was ever going to be through was that alcohol and going to rehab. And I was humiliated when I did that. Like, how can I ever talk about this? I'm, I'm a businessman. I do this, you know, ego right there. Got to get that ego in check. Mm -hmm. And over the years, it's become one of the things I pride sharing and like, wow, yeah, I, I've gotten over this. And here's how you can do it, too, if you're doing this. And that was the vulnerability. But sharing that to our guys has some of our guys, I've had people come in and say, hey, you know, I've been sober from heroin for this long. I've been doing this for this long. And it gets them to open up and we get to know them better then. And we can have con real conversations. My door is always open. Mm -hmm. If I'm sitting in the office, I say, come on in. And if you need to talk about something really sensitive, just tell me I need a gloves are off conversation. That doesn't go on the record. That doesn't go against you as an employee. You can complain about the company. You can tell us about personal things you're going through, whatever. The gloves are off and we're there to help you. We're there to help you grow. And that that's the approach that we take. And that all started with my vulnerability of sharing where I am and my humility of owning when I'm wrong, saying, hey, I messed up, guys. I made this mistake. Sorry. Here's what we can do to fix this right now. Just mm -hmm. having that ownership. One of the things that I love and to me, humility looks like this and from a leader's perspective. And I think you're you're really driving at this. Humility is being willing to accept that you might not have the best idea. Oh, one of your team might have a better idea. You've, you've hit on this already. I think 
leaders that I've had that have done this well, uh, when it comes to vulnerability, is they were able to admit when they were scared or when they were wrong about something. Yep. Like, hey, this is I'm I'm sorry I responded the way I did. I freaked out. I'm kind of freaking out about this over here personally, and I took that out on you. Or just saying, hey, I goofed. And I think that that ability to apologize and to really own as the leader that mistake, I think it earns you a lot of credibility with your team. Do you do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we're human. It humanizes us. Uh, a lot of people look at, you know, for me personally, having the title of CEO. Oh, man, like, oh, it's the CEO. Guess what? I'm a person. I started out as a landscaper. I've worked my way through the ranks. I don't make billions of dollars a year like TV paints around that position. And, you know, <laughs> it humanizes who you are. And owning those mistakes is like, oh, it's okay to make mistakes. That's that's good. That is what happens. Oh, okay. Well, how can we grow from that? And those questions start coming up and being asked. Yeah, I love that. I couldn't agree with that anymore. As we're kind of starting to wrap some things up here, you said you got a backlog, but if someone's <laughs> interested in joining Castle Rock's landscape company and they, you guys are in Allentown, Pennsylvania, yep. right? Okay. Yeah, Allentown, Pennsylvania. So if they're in the area there and, and they're thinking, or maybe they're you know looking to relocate and want to connect with you about you know potential job openings, what would that look like? How would they reach out to you? Uh, you can reach out to me. LinkedIn's a great place to reach out to me. Scott with two T's, Lesak, L-E-S-A-K. You can also send me an email at scott, S-C-O-T-T, at Castle Rocks, K-A-S-E-L-R-O-C-K-S dot com. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. We're always growing our team. We're about doubling mm-hmm. in size for next year. We're hiring seasonal winter help right now. We go mm-hmm. from uh, 16 full-time people to 40 in the winter right now. And next year, that's yeah. probably going to be looking more like 70 to 80 for the winter. And we're really wow. growing the snow side of things. So we're looking for seasonal help right now if you want to reach out. And we'd love to talk to you. love to have a conversation and see if you're a good fit. And I know, Scott, you also offer coaching because this whole conversation has really been about personal growth and and being self-aware and kind of growing as an individual. I know you actually offer some coaching on that through, I believe the name of the company is Inspire You, right? Is your your coaching program. How would someone listening to this connect with you if they say, you know, I really need to work on myself. I need some accountability. I need someone to kind of help guide me through that process. How would they connect with the coaching side of what you offer? Oh, absolutely. You know, LinkedIn, again, is another really good spot there. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Would invite any of you to follow me, Scott with two T's, Lesak, L-E-S-A-K. And another great place to reach out if you're interested in coaching. Love to talk to you about the programs we offer is scott at myinspireyou.com. You can definitely use the Castle Rocks email as well. It goes to the same person, but I I keep them separate and uh, organized by having the two separate emails there. Yeah. Scott, this has been a tremendous conversation. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share with our audience about how they can grow as individuals and how that really impacts their organization. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And I really, really appreciate the opportunity. 